Game Basics, episode number 32. I'm Patrick. And I'm Robert. Each episode we'll try and talk about a board game and a card game. This we're, week we're not talking about either. We're talking about um the on like the computer version of them. The apps. And Hasbro. Apps and Hasbro history. And if I get a chance, I did want to talk about a Ooh, Kickstarter. Hosting and for a story. this episode is provided by Gameology, Australia's largest gaming warehouse. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the gameology. Okay, another busy week. Um, we finished our Starfinder playthrough of the five scenarios. What'd you think of that? Oh, it was pretty good. And our characters didn't die. Nope. So that's always a bonus. Mm. You um, keen to play some more? Yeah. Yeah. We can't do it for a little while, but when we can, we'll get back into it. Get new characters? Mm. Or the same one? Same. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you want to start? Uh, let's talk about Hasbro just because um, I find it interesting looking at these companies that we've all been used to and we all know about. We've all got a game from probably. Yeah. Yeah, we have a game from Hasbro. We do. We would have more than one. Monopoly. Oh, that's, the- like, that's like 10 games. We have so many different versions of Monopoly. That's right. They're just the mass market games that get game sold. We've got a game from Lego. <laughs> yeah, you like your Lego games. You can actually get like a lot of like masterminds ones and stuff like that. Oh it? yeah, um, that's true. Cool. How about you take it away? This is All off right. Wikipedia, so. So, we... where do I start? You can just start with the Hassenfeld brothers. Hassenfeld brothers is yep. an American so the th- worldwide toy and board game company. It is the largest toy maker in the world. In terms of stock market value and third largest with revenues of approximately about $5.12 billion, mm. Hasbro acquired the trademark and production of Kenner Parker Brothers and Milton Bradley, among others, and its products are Monopoly, G.I. Joe, Furbury, Transformers, Nerf, My Little Pony. And Twist and the Power Twist. Rangers franchise. That's right. Um, Hasbro brand has also spawned TV shows to promote its products, such as Family Night on Discovery. The Family, Family Game Network. Night. Yep. The corporate. The headquarters are located in Portucket, in on Rhode Island in America. The majority of its products. Um, Manufactured in East Asia. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, well, how about we just start where they started? So, I'll start if you like on that bit then. So, there were three American Jewish brothers, Herman, Hillel, and Henry Hassenfeld. Uh, They founded the Hassenfeld Brothers in Providence, Rhode Island in 1923. Um, And they were a company that was selling textile remnants. But over the next two decades, the company expanded to produce pencil cases and school supplies. Again, a link to schools. Um, in 1926, the brothers became incorporated. Uh, Hillel left for another textile business while Henry took charge of the corporation. And they began making their own pencils when their pencil supplier began making pencil cases as well. You want to take there? All right. Hansfield Brothers products modeling produced 
reduced modeling clay and then doctor and nurse kits as their first toy and they became primarily yeah. a toy company by 1942 Hill died in 1943 and Henry Hasselfield became CEO while his son Morel became president the company entered the plastic during World War Two to support its toy line. Hassenfield Brothers' first toy was hit, Mr. Potato Head, which the company purchased from George Lanner in 1952. The toy was a smash success. In 1954, the com- company became a Disney. Disney major license. Um, licensee. The uh, interesting because they were growing during the war there, which mm. was a time when a lot of businesses were needed to help make war products and help the war effort. And Mr. Potato Head, well, everyone knows that. Although you may have never played it, you would have seen it in Toy Story movie. Really? Yeah, you know, the potato head and his eyes pop out. Yeah, that's a game. It's an old game and you take the eyebrows and you put them in and, you know. Oh, that. Yeah, it's really old. Um, Obviously from 1950. (laughs) Mm, In 1960, Henry died and Merrill took over the parent company and his older brother Harold ran the pencil-making business of Empire Pencil. The Hassenfeld brothers expanded to Canada with Hassenfeld Brothers Canada Limited. The company was approached in 63 to license a toy based on the Lieutenant, which they turned down because they did not want to be tied to a possibly short-lived television series. Instead, the brothers produced Hassenfeld Brothers produced the G.I. Joe toy in 1964, which they termed an action figure in order to market it to boys who wouldn't want to play with dolls. In 1964 and 65, G.I. Joe accounted for two-thirds of their sales. Wow. That's a lot. Um, do I go now? Yeah. The company has previously sold toys under the Hasbro trade name, and it shortened its name to Hasbro Industries in 1968 and sold a minor stake in the corporation to the public. The unpopular Vietnam War was at its height in 1969, so Hasbro redesigned G.I. Joe to be less militaristic militaristic and more adventure-orientated. Its provincial efforts included the catchphrase, catchphrase, boy, boy oh boy, it's a Hasbro toy. (laughs) <laughs> in television, commercials, and print ads. Also, in 1969, Hasbro bought Burt Kulser Enterprises, which produced Romper Room, and had just been a Romper Room toy line. A month-long Teamster strike and... Far Eastern supplier troubles caused the company to have a one million loss for the year. The, loss I remember 
watching Romper Room in Australia, but I thought it was a an Australian show, so that's interesting. I wonder if they're linked. Boy, oh boy, it's a Hasbro toy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So in 1970, Hasbro began a plan of diversification and opened the Romper Room Nursery School franchise um, to cash in on um, President Nixon's family assistance plan, which subsidized daycare for working mothers. By 75, the company had ended the nursery chain. Hasbro also entered the cookware field with a galloping gourmet line based on a television cooking show. But that line collapsed with an attack of termites on their salad bowls. Uh, Two new 1970s toys were public relations disasters. One of the toys was named Javelin Darts, which was similar to ancient Roman Plumbata. At the end of 1988, um, the Safety Commission banned lawn darts from sale in the United States due to their hazards. As a flying projectile with a sharp metal point causing multiple deaths. Far out. The other toy was named the Hypo Squirt. A hypodermic needle shaped water gun tagged by the press as a junior junkie kit. Both were recalled. The Romper Room and its toy line had continued success. Although action for children's television citizens group considered the program to be an advertising channel for boys. Toys. Uh, for toys, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Real. Hassenfeld. Hassenfeld took over as CEO in 1974 and his son, Seth, Stephen. Stephen D. Hassenfeld became president. The company... Stephen became profitable once again but had mixed results due to cash flow problems from increasing the number of toys in the line to offset G.I. Joe's declining sales. Hasbro entered the G.I. Joe line in 1975 because of the rising price of plastic and crude oil increasing prices. In 1977, Hasbro's losses were $2.5 $2.5 million, and the company held a large deb- debt load debt load that same year Hasbro acquired Peanuts cartoon characters licensing right. I keep having to go back and forth because I zoomed in because I can't read. Oh, properly. right, yeah, it's hard on With that, the isn't it? the final situation poor, Hasbro bankers made the company temporarily stop divide dividend payments in early 1979. Mm. The toy division loses, losses increased. Harold Hansfield Field's res- resentment regarding the company's treatment of the of Empire, Empire pencil, pencil subsidies as Empire received lower levels of capital spending to profits than the toy division. With his death in 79, um, Harold did not recognise Stephen's um, authority as a successor to the chairman and CEO position. As a solution, Hasbro spun off Empire Pencil in 1980, which was our nation's largest pencil maker, with Harold trading his Hasbro shares for those of Empire. 
he then became both the CEO and chairman of the board. Between 78 and 81, um, he reduced the Hasbro product line by one-third and its new products by one-half. Hasbro focused on simple, low-cost, longer life cycle toys like Mr. Potato Head. And they then stayed out of the electronic games field, which went bust in the early 1980s. There were a lot of games around that were all trying to utilize the um, new, at the time, electronic methods. So in 1982, Hasbro revised... It's G.I. Joe line with the help of Marvel Comics as an anti terrorist yeah as an anti-terrorist commando based on current events the company launched the successful transformers toy line along with a children's animated tv shows two years later with the toys and the tv series being popular stephen steven hasenfield posed with the toys for a people magazine cover photo In 1982, Hasbro produced the successful toy franchise, My Little Pony. In 1983, they purchased Glencoe Infant Items, a manufacturer of infant products and the world's largest bib producer and Knickerbocker toy company, a Warner Communications, now Warner Media, and Ubisoft struggling subsidiary. Hasbro paid Warner with 37% of its stock paid into a Hasbro executive control voting trust and also received a cash infusion. In 84, Alan Hassenfeld took over as president from his brother who continued as CEO and chairman. That same year, the company was the nation's sixth best-selling toy maker and they acquired the Milton Bradley Company, which was the, was the nation's fifth best-selling toy maker. This brought the Game of Life, Twister, Easy Money and Play School into the Hasbro fold and transformed Hasbro into Hasbro Bradley. Um, So there you go. And then uh, in 1985, the company changed its name to just Hasbro Inc. The Jumpstarter toys were the subject of a lawsuit in 1985 when Hasbro sued a toy manufacturer for selling toys based on their Transformers design and Hasbro won the suit. In the mid-1980s, Hasbro moved past Mattel to become the world's largest toy company. Uh, They moved to outsell Mattel's Barbie in the fashion doll market with the 1986 introduction of Gem, a record-producing rock musician dual identity fashion doll. Gem initially posted strong sales but plummeted and was withdrawn from the market in 1987. Hasbro followed up in 1988 with Maxi, a Barbie-sized blonde doll, so that Barbie clothing and accessories would fit. But it only lasted until 1990, because that Barbie market was so well ingrained in everyone. Uh, me? Or you? I know we're up to now. Oh, okay. Under Aliv's initiative in the late 1980s, Hasbro moved to increase international sales by taking toys overseas that had failed in the US market and selling them for as much as four times the original price. This increased the international sales from 270 million to about... 268. Yeah, to about 433 million in 1985 to 1988. So That's a lot of money. Yeah, another 150 million just by selling off their junk toys. Uh, 
mm. the toys that weren't selling. Like Everyone else is like, oh, let's yep. have these. Uh, in 1988, they purchased part of a Colco Industries indoor and outdoor children's furniture and ride-on toy product line, um, including two just-closed manufacturing plants. In July 89, Hasbro acquired bankrupt Colco for $85 million. Um, where, what, what was I going to do next? So in the U.S., Hasbro's growth since 1980 were from acquisitions and the leveraging of the new assets. New product de- product development was not as successful except for the movie and TV tie-in product lines with Jurassic Park and Barney. Thus, U.S. sales were stagnant in the early 1990s, falling from 93 to 1995. To turn the domestic performance around in 94, Hasbro merged the Hasbro Toy, Play School, Play School Baby, Kenner and Kid Dimension units into the Hasbro Toy Group. Meanwhile, Mattel purchased Fisher-Price and retook the top spot in the toy industry. Can you find where we're up to now? Yeah. Um, Hasbro Interactive was started in 1995 and released a Monopoly game on CGROM. Mattel also proposed a merger that year, but it turned down by the the board. Hasbro board in 1996 due to... Due to some antitrust issues. Justice and Justice Uh, Department investigation into exclusionary politics between toy manufacturers and toy realtors, particularly Toys R Us. In 98, Hasbro bought Avalon Hill for $6 million um, and Galoob for $220 million. And in 1999, Wizards of the Coast was bought in a deal worth $325 million. Wizards of the Coast is now a subsidiary of Hasbro and has Avalon Hill as its division. In 2001, money-losing Hasbro Interactive was sold to Infogrames, a French software concern, for $100 million. Hasbro entered the building block toy with its built-to-rule line in 2003, but which did not hold together very well and ended in 2005. So it's interesting there how... It's all about takeover, and they keep trying to expand the company and grow. Because okay. they're earning so much money each year. Yeah, and then when they and have badges, and they just spend spend it all on getting new businesses, which could take them down more money. Yep. So uh, in two thousand eight, Hasbro acro- acquired game maker Cranium Inc. Uh, for seventy seven million dollars. The deal was announced and closed at the end of January. Uh, Hasbro is collaborating with. Discovery Communications on Hub Network, a new network which began um, on October the 10th, 2010, and it proved successful in unexpected ways when the TV revival of the My Little Pony franchise, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, uh, which Mika has liked, became the network's highest rated program with not only its target demographic of young girls but attracted an unexpectedly significant cult following among teens and adults. And what do you call them? What do you call the 
bronies or the kids that like ponies. What is mum calling it? Anyway. Boys that like ponies. Ponies. Bronies. Yeah. yeah. Are they? Can't remember. Uh, Didn't say anything about that. The Hub Network was rebranded as Discovery Family in 2014. Uh, Hasbro also produces Marvel Comics and Star Wars toys, having um, this deal until at least 2020. So that's next year. Yeah. So now that just went into something in the future that could to at least 2020. Because they just do contracts for periods of time. Back in 2011, Greenpeace accused Hasbro of purchasing paper for its packaging from ancient forests in Indonesia. So then they changed its paper purchasing policy, earning um, the company praise from Greenpeace, who said the new Hasbro policy will increase the recycled and forest stewardship council certified paper in its toy packaging. Um, it was great for the Indonesian rainforest, and that and that's still as a part of a board game industry where we use lots of pieces and things. Something I guess that they still it's need to be cautious. It's not paper, really. In board games, a lot of the time they was cardboard, they, plastic. Mm, but a lot of the time, time you always wonder how they get the miniatures like that plastic. It's probably because of three D printer. Yeah, well, they have them in big plants and they just squirt it into a mold. But now you would think, now you would think, like uh, uh, nowadays, they would, if they had a three D printer, they'd probably use that. Yeah, I think that would still take a bit long, mm. but one day. But people at home can make them. Yeah. Which affects the industry in another way. So, let's uh, so, say so in uh, they were in talks reportedly to to buy DreamWorks Animation, um, uh, but they didn't seem to to work out. Um, and then Mattel added two competing lines, um, and the expiration of their Disney princess license at the 2015, Disney gave Hasbro a chance to gain the license on their works on Star Wars, which led to, um, a Descendants license, uh, and in 2014, Disney announced that Hasbro would be the dole licensee for the Disney Princess line starting back in 2016. Uh, what else? And then they continue to grow. Um, and on the tw- in 2017, Wall Street Journal reported that Hasbro had made a takeover offer for Mattel. At the time, Mattel was worth $5 billion, while Hasbro was worth about $11 billion. Um... But it was reported then that Mattel rejected the offer. Um, And then also Hasbro came very close to buying Lionsgate. But that also fell through. Uh, It's interesting because... 2018, that was last year. Yeah. um, So this must have been done this year. I think they just updated it. Yeah, no, it just continued. Then at the start of February uh, in 2018... um, Hasbro was appointed as the global master toy licensee for Power Rangers with a future option to purchase the franchise. Uh, And then they agreed to purchase Power Rangers in May last year and other entertainment assets from Saban Brands for $522 million US in cash and stock with the licensing fee already paid with credit. The sale, which also included My Pet Monster, Popples, Julius Jr., Luna, Petunia. 
treehouse detectives, and additional properties. Um, uh, in 2018, the company announced plans to cut jobs amounting to less than 10% of its staff as it tries to rebrand and rework out how to make the things. Uh, in, in the rest of uh, 2018, Hasbro signed a number of licensing agreements for hospitality deals based on Hasbro brands. On the 1st of May in 2018, the Monopoly Mansion Hotel agreement was announced by Hasbro um, and the Sirocco uh, group would manage the hotel when it opens in 2019 with King's Men's Creatives. So this will be interesting to see how this goes. Hasbro this granted them a license to build Nerf Action Experience Family Entertainment Center with the first to be opened in Singapore uh, in the winter 2019. So that's this year winter. Yeah. So that's right about now. We just missed out on seeing that when we are in Singapore. Although so we right might pop now. into Singapore. Um, so it'll be opening around right about winter. Yeah. Because it's winter soon. right now. Soon. Not yet, but soon. Yes, it is. Uh, in November, the company issued a license for family entertainment centres to Kilburn Live, who will launch a new division for the centres. Um, while in December, the company granted a license for theme parks to imagine resorts and hotels. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Do you think... Would you like to go to... Uh, Monopoly Mansion Hotel or um, maybe a Nerf action experience. That would be cool to see, though. It would be cool, wouldn't it? A Monopoly Hotel? Is it, would it be made out of Monopoly boxes? <laughs> like like the Legoland Hotel? Oh, like it's the Legoland Lego Lego Hotel. Bricks. <laughs> that like would be... actually, it actually like, has like Lego brick things. They do. So, um, anyway... That was a long roundabout way, but we wanted to cover off all of those things because it's interesting seeing how they started as they in textiles. Over, they took over a lot of things. Yeah, and then they spy, they sell, they buy, they sell, and then they're still here trying to find a way to make money out of games and um, things. And as is the way, it seems like licenses are the way, you know, and for other companies know, with Frozen, like we Disney. We don't even know this is happening unless you read Wikipedia. Yeah, or you're researching the company all the time. You, you never find out what's happening. Cause no. It's not like it's on their news. Um, and so there's some big-name companies that they own and that they've been able to spin off. So Why do they... So they spin off? Well, then they, they, they own, like they own Wizards of the Coast and then all that the was, things that, that fall under there. Yeah. So all of their products, which is quite helpful... There's quite a lot. It's quite good to know, like, how many different things they bought. So then you know, oh, is that's a Hasbro thing. Yeah. Like well, even just the Wizard of the Coast history would be interesting in itself as a small part of all that. Anyway, that's all that. Yep. Uh, can you see a Hasbro game just looking up there right now? Yeah, Parker Brothers Hasbro Gaming. Another one. I can Gable see Mattel Life there Empire. as well. Yeah, see, so there's a lot. Everyone would have them. Gave and a look. Milton Bradley, I think. Anything else? Wait, where's the Mattel? <laughs> the Scrabble one there was oh, yeah. Mattel at the time.
Okay, so the next thing that I did want to talk about um, that we have just recently gotten quite a few things on is the oh, yeah, that deal apps that or on Steam. $17 deal that you got. Yeah, I, saw, I was told about Home Bundle by a listener. Thank you for that very much, Jonathan. And I looked up the Home Bundle, is it hum, Humble.com? Um, and it was a package that had... Because we've been wanting to get Pathfinder Adventure Card Game. Oh, it's so, we had so good on the computer. You just press space and it rolls the dice. Or if you, or if it's time to draw a card, you just press space and it draws a card. So you instead of having to tap a quarter of a million things. So we got that. We got it was a bundle for seventeen Australian dollars, and it was like Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, uh, Scythe, which is that price at least, um, which we enjoy. Uh, ticket to ride, ticket the ticket to ride first journey, Carcassonne, Carcassonne expansion, Mysterium, plus a couple of Mysterium expansions, Ascension, which is deck builder. We haven't played that yet, but I would look forward to playing that. Love Letter, which I've never played, which we should. Them? Haven't installed them? Haven't installed them all because I didn't know how much space they'd be taking up on the computer. Eight hundred each. Plus, we already have other games: Ticket to Ride. And, um, Katam. Yeah, we already had them. But it actually says on Steam that we've got them. Like, it highlights the ones that you've installed. Yeah, so on the Steam account. So, we've played Ticket to Ride a bit. We enjoy that. And it shows the one that you've also bought that you haven't installed. Yeah. What what sort of a games do you like to play on an app? Like, rather than getting a board game out, because you like playing board games solo. But then I also like it's it's good if you can do because a lot of the board games if you got no one to play it with and you have a computer and you've got it on there it's so much easier Is it? you can yeah. play it with other people yeah and um you can all you, like you can play a couple of players on there like tickets and, are right yeah, yeah and like potion explosion and that oh yeah they're so good on there because you can. You don't have to be with anyone if you normally have the time to do it, but if other people don't, because mm. no, normally if you're the one wanting to do it, you'll have the time. You can do it by yourself without ever anyone else having to um, worry get about up it. to do it. And really, if you know how to play Potion Explosion, the app really is, lends itself perfectly to an app, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it plays beautifully on. Except it's a couple of different things, so you can't keep you can't view your potions when it's. Um, oh, yeah. So if it's two player, yeah. like two people, real people, um, that are actually in the same house, yeah, doing it together, um, you have to, one has to stay there and the other can stay there, but you can't see your potions during their turn. But then if you're doing it with robots, you can. Yeah. Okay. But also in the board game, you can. So it's basically the same. And um, no difference. So. But you enjoy playing games solo sometimes. So yeah, what what do, like what do you prefer to do? Do you prefer to play a game solo like the board game? Like if you were going to play Scythe, would you rather play the board game by yourself, which you've done plenty of times, or would you rather play the digital version by yourself? Digital version is about ten times quicker. Yeah. But the uh, normal version, I'd rather non-computer. Right. Just normal. Yeah, because... It, it is a lot you, quicker set up. It lets you feel the stuff. Yeah. It's just automatically set up on computer. Like, you can feel the stuff, and um, you can actually move them move around the without, without difficulty on the computer. <laughs> I found it quite hard. You've actually got to confirm your action 
to do it. Yeah. I didn't know that. So I just I just kept clicking on them and trying to move it. Yeah, and the other me. thing is I made a mistake or two on the um, but also game and on the yeah. app, but when it's on the app, you can't just quickly go back and redo it. On you, the app. You're done. <laughs> on the app. Yeah. Um, you also... Um, ah, now I forgot. Oh. So... You can actually select which mat you can you can have. Like, you can... It's annoying because you've got to, like, go... This, there's actually sort of a game set up as well that you have to do. Oh, like a tutorial? No, you got to set up the players. Oh, right. And stuff, which is annoying. And you can choose the mats. Yeah. But, oh, can you? Right. Yeah. Oh, is that what those things were letting us do? Yeah. I, whereas One I just did choose your colour. Yeah. So you just did random everything. Okay, so question. App, would you rather play Scythe? If you just had... Two hours to play a game. Would you rather play Scythe twice on the app or once on the board game? This is by yourself. Once board game. Okay. But today you came to work with me this morning. I did it once on the app. And you got to play the app. I did the tutorial then, that. Yeah. Tutorial I needed. The tutorial gave me a big help Mm. because I didn't know any of the icons. I didn't know how you're supposed to move your character, like move your character Mm. because I tapped move. And I couldn't move it. It's hard you because I think I would rather play the board game. But I'm not a person that's big on using the computers. Mm. But it's so much easier to just load the game, go bang, oh, I'm just going to play for 20 minutes, close it down. You nearly finished the game. Whereas if you're setting up the board game, it takes all that time. So, <laughs> But we do time. struggle to get Scythe out as a group. Well, I don't as a struggle. game. I don't struggle to get any game out by myself. No, I know, because you love it. <laughs> it's cool. I like that. It's so easy to do it by yourself. You like, once I came home from school, got out of Australia, just set it up and went flying through the game. Yeah. Because you got to get, when, after a couple of times of setting it up. You know what to do. Solo. You know what to do. Okay, so oh. next game, Pathfinder Adventure Card Game, which they're bringing out the new one that's being released next month. Which will be fantastic. You can actually choose if you do Pathfinder, Rise of the Rune Lords, or Pathfinder, Rise of the Goblins. Because we got those two on the You can choose which pack. one you want to do first. Um, now... Oh, your character's a goblin. But how much... It's So it's a bit cheaper to buy them as the app, but mm. doesn't feel the same, I imagine, as holding the cards in your hand and building a deck. Yeah, I, I just like... Holding the car, like it's good to know what you're doing, yeah. See what you've got instead of like having them there. Normally, normally in deck builder games like Clank, mm-hmm. we put ours down like we do open hand so everyone can see it. Like, yeah, because do it, it doesn't so matter. Yeah, see, him. it's good seeing what other people can do, especially in ones where you work together. Yeah, but if you're gonna do it quick, you don't need like that. You can play the game quick and you're not looking at what everyone else is doing. But if, but if it's um multiplayer mm-hmm. cooperative one it's good to know what others have it is um and we've played our starfinder online using right. the app the the fantasy grounds yeah and that's worked qu- quite well and um i was also told that that they've got something on kickstarter at the moment where you can upgrade your fantasy ground that you have now for 15 us i think that's about 30 and you can get a Call of Cthulhu set with it for 50 bucks. And in that, they have the rules for Call of Cthulhu uh, RPG. and But also they have a couple of um, 
adventures that are solo player adventures. So I'm thinking of getting that so oh, I can test solo. it out and play Call of Cthulhu by myself and then if you wanted to, you could play it by yourself. Solo is great. Yeah. You barely ever get solo roleplay games. Yeah, I know, but it, well, I don't know how well it will work, but if we could do that and then that's a way of learning the game, that then Monday we might go, oh, let's play that. So that's another I, thing. I actually do like... Um, start, like. Like, you may be running a little bit of it where it's not so much battling. Mm. And then we just switch over. Mm. I like the idea of that. Yeah. Because I don't always like taking lots of damage. No, I know. Because after a while (laughs) of having your character like that, you're like, no. At least on an app, if you're playing a game and you take lots of damage, Mm. it's quick to reset. Yeah. You you don't feel... You just tap reset. Do you feel as connected to a character on an app as you do if you're physically playing the game? Well, with Starfinder, I am. Yeah. But. Um, but that's because we're still role playing one, it. Yeah. No. Really. So Pathfinder. Um, the the, the, the app. app. Oh. It doesn't really matter with that one because they you you don't lose them forever. No. They just keep coming back. Yeah. And it's basically knocked out. Yeah. Would you ever play um, Carcassonne on your own? Would you go? Oh, oh, I'll build. I'll be this character, and then I'll oh, sit in the, that chair. Oh, yeah. No, just. On the board. You never have, but would you? Probably. I like doing that with a lot of games. Yeah. I know. So, yeah. I'm just curious if you'd play You're it solo. You're one that came up with the idea that we could do that. Yeah. But whereas with the app, it's definitely easy to play a solo, a game that you may not normally play solo. Mm. So, we're still coming around to the you idea of playing games. Catapults, oh, at you least. did. So, I was happy. So, you were happy with that, although you beat me easily at that. Mm-hmm. Mum took over for me. Yeah. I had to go to work. I snuck past you with my crossbow and it just shot down the wall and everything. Ah. Cleared a path for the battering ram. So, before you disappear off to talking about that, um, anything else that you wanted to say about the apps? Like, you're st- we're still exploring it. I think it's we, got great value for the RPG. We haven't tried... Um, the other games. We haven't tried Mysterium board game yet. Oh, Mysterium. Now, that's one I've played on the app. Which... I've played it. It's pretty... I don't like being the person giving the visions. Yeah. I like getting the visions and then choosing which ones. Because when I did that, I got it all correct. Yeah. Because it got really easy doing choosing the vision. Instead of being like, well, what? How am I supposed to choose which one of these to give the person that's choosing which one? But who it is. Now, that's a game we definitely can't compare to playing the real thing. We've played it a lot on the apps, but we've never played the, the real thing because we go, oh, that's another 50 bucks or 60 bucks. We can't afford everything, you know. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, anyway, that's just a very quick because we're way over time. I don't like giving, giving um, the uh, visions to the people that are getting them. I like getting them from the people that are giving them. Ah, right. Because it's about ten times easier doing that. Okay, no worries. Thank you. Uh, Anything else you want to talk about the apps? Um, what about you first? No, I, I, I'm okay. We're still, we're still working our way through it. So we'll, pretty good. Come back to it. It's pretty good to use. It is good, especially if you've got no, if you've got no room, it's good to have these. Yeah, or if you don't own the game, like Mm. now we might not buy a Pathfinder card game for a while. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Although I know Mika's busting to get it. I, I really like it on the computer, though. Mm, so that's why I think we'll enjoy it if like, we played it. Because, like, you just... There's, like, little location icons. And you just 
double click on it and it does that and it gives you if you click on it once it gives you information the uh so that's definitely a game i would suggest and if you're interested in that mm. bundle you can get that at humble, humble i think humble bundle home bundle com, which was great so thank you for that okay so now that's pretty much the episode mm-hmm. but um i did just want to have a, a quick chat i wanted to tell an t- interesting little tale here um uh, last uh, christmas uh, there was a board game that came up on um, Kickstarter. It was called Colter Storm, and it's a Lovecraft-inspired game. Uh, people, if you're not interested in it, you don't have to listen to the rest of this anyway. But I just thought, if if you're interested, it might be an interesting little tale about how they came about making a game and what goes into making a game and getting it on Kickstarter. Um, so I'm just going to quickly read through their first update that they put up in this brand new um, Kickstarter that I have going at the moment, which runs until you know another 15 days or something. Uh, and I just thought it might be interesting. So that'd be something interesting to listen to. I've backed it. I'm going to say I've backed it because it's it's I love. Cthulhu all of a sudden in the oh, a year Cthulhu's ago cool. a year ago uh, or two years ago didn't know anything really and then I it started in one year I know it I started with me um, wanting uh, Australia which oh, yeah. had Cthulhu which led and me to we, reading and we got that comic thing and I read it as well yeah we got and some... then I just all of a sudden wanted to dress up for Cthulhu as Halloween for Halloween I know because it uh, yeah, led me, oh, okay, I want to learn about this. So then I read um, A Study in Emerald and then got deeper into the Cthulhu books or the the um, HP Lovecraft writings. And then that led me to um, get into the Arkham Horror. <laughs> I've ordered the Simon uh, game, uh, Cthulhu Death May Die. And then I've... <laughs> Put this one on Kickstarter. It hasn't quite funded yet, but I'm sure it will. But anyway, here's a little story about um, them. I'm just going to read it. It's on their updates. So uh, here we go. Uh, and this is what it says. Hello, investigators. My name is Sandor. I am the designer of the Coulter Storm. Let me introduce you to the story of our project. It will be an honest report on our last three years. I discovered Lovecraft's writing in my teens and had it and it had a huge impact on me. I have read and reread his works many times, and he was the one who inspired me to start writing my own stories. Living with Lovecraftian stories was one of the main impulses for the creation of Storm. Around 2011, when I was in my mid-30s, I discovered the world of modern board games. I immersed myself in this wonderful world, playing every day, and over the course of just two years, I acquired a collection of hundreds of games. Since creativity has always been a cardinal part of my life, I started designing games from the outset. In 2014, I sent the prototype of one of my games, packed in a pizza box, to a board game design competition sponsored by Piatnik. I was most surprised when I found out that I had actually won. From that moment on, I consciously turned my attention toward game development, and I have at least 50 ideas lined up all waiting to be games one day. 
I have also founded board game clubs, and today my whole life revolves around board games. My love for board games was another very important impulse. The idea of Cult of Storm was first conceived after I had written my short story A Window into Infinity, which was published in Black Aether, the print magazine of Hungarian writers who create love who create stories in a Lovecraftian vein. Later, A Window into Infinity also became the introductory story for the Cult of Storm short story collection. Back then, the game was called Pocket Cthulhu, and only consisted of a deck of cards. I tested and developed it for a year, presented on the forum of game designers. It was a simple but incredibly difficult game, practically impossible to win. On the other hand, we could play many times in a single afternoon as a game didn't last longer than 15 minutes, because we all died. Maybe I'll do something later with it, but who knows what the future holds. The biggest flaw of this game was that the game mechanisms mechanics were too simple and static. At least I wanted to have more. Facing the cultist symbols, the investigators had a fixed set of symbols printed on their character cards. Although it made the game pretty dynamic, it limited the player's options. As a solution, every investigator received their own action card deck. In the beginning, they were only symbols, and then we also added actions. This was the first major change, and our simple card game began its metamorphosis into a real board game. The deck had undergone numerous iterations until we reached the current cooperative mechanic, which is based on intense interaction and supporting one another. It was our priority to create a game which could not be dominated by a strong alpha player telling everyone what to do. And personally, just to cut the story for a sec, I hate that, so... Anyway, uh, we believe that alpha gaming might be the biggest fault of the genre. And we also believe that we have managed to create a game in which we truly need the attention and dedication of each and every player in order to win. It was around this time that I met Blanca, who is responsible for the visual world of Coulterstorm. She's an incredibly talented and surprisingly young illustrator. We have worked together on the visual representation of the game for years. The investigators received unique and upgradable character abilities and the cultists also began to evolve. Locations were added to the game. Then they received effects that could be activated. Then came the object deck and the research action. The game was becoming deeper, more complex, and more interesting. The next milestone in our development was the Horror Track, the predecessor of the Terror Circle, which allowed players to modify the game's intensity. In this version, investigators and cultists receive random cards in every game, modifying basic rules. These cards were activated as the game progressed, adding positive and negative effects on both sides. The idea itself worked very well, but the layout did not. During testing, we noticed that the players regularly forgot to manage the horror track, which at that time had its own board. The five locations used to be in a row, pushing the horror track towards the edge of the table. I then met Zoltan Azel, owner of a Hungarian publishing house who is also a game developer. He decided to join my project. He not only offered his financial support for the game's development, but also helped with his professional knowledge and his development team. It was his team who had the idea to organize the game in area into a circle, closed in at the middle. At this point, we still didn't have a board. We just recognized the cards, reorganized the cards into a pentagonal shape. 
During the development process, we came up with the visual background we then perfected for months. In the end, we arrived at the present pentagonal modular game board. I think it's beautiful and its shape makes it unique among board games. The horror stripe was moved to the points of the pent pentagon and its function has also changed. The object of the game wasn't defeating the cultists anymore, but sealing the gates. The terror cards functioned as an internal timer as well as a trigger for the end game. In the meantime, we asked a fantastic artist to design our miniatures, thus completing the visual world of Storm. And with this, the complete base game was born. In my opinion, this is still um, what it is from the update of the um, owners of the board game Pop Storm, so it's not my actual opinion, but this is what he's put on his update. Uh, very few people truly know how much work goes into developing a board game. Playing the same game day after day, hundreds of times for months and years. You show it to others and let them criticise it. You have to deliberately poke at its weak points and break the game to see if the mechanics work even in the most impossible of gaming situations. In 2017, we felt that the time had come to present the game to the public. We had 50 prototypes manufactured and sent them to clubs, gaming groups and editorial boards all over the country, waiting for their testing results and opinions. This was the first wide audience the game was exposed to and it got mixed reviews. It was still not good enough. The rules were clunky and it was still too difficult. We worked on it. After yet another year of game development, testing and changing gameplay, we took the game to Essen in 2018. At the exhibition, people hardly believed that the game they played was still just a prototype. We spent the whole event playing demo games and it was great to see that we finally made it. Many people wanted to buy the game right away, even if it was just a prototype. And we actually sold one, it says here. And we were thrilled when some people told us that Storm was the best game they tested in Essen. Uh, during the development process, I kept having more and more thematic and gameplay related ideas. After a while, the base game became overcomplicated, so we began to make it simpler and more streamlined by transforming the new game elements into expansion modules. To be honest, 14 expansions that we have ready are not even all of them. We still have ideas and game mechanics up our sleeves, but we had to put a stop to the flow of imagination. While we continued with the game's development and testing, we also started work on the background of the game. It was obvious from the outset that the Lovecraftian theme wasn't just there because we wanted to profit from the popularity of the brand, it is part of my identity and culture mission. As a first step, I started discussing the idea of a short story collection with the editor of the Black Aether magazine. The concept was that every story would be related to the game in one way or another. We sent out a call for submissions to the Hungarian weird fiction writers. In the end, 15 writers joined their, our ranks and... After one and a half years of intense work, the collection was born. I also contact contacted Graham Plowman, one of the most acknowledged composers of the Lovecraftian genre, who was happy to join us, and he created a fantastic soundtrack album for Storm. While I began working on the most important Storm accessory, the narrative scriptbook. I discovered Kickstarter around the same time that I discovered board games, and I've helped in the creation of more than a hundred games. It was clear to me quite early on that I also wanted to present my game on Kickstarter. But little did I know how much time, work and money was needed for Storm to be ready for a public appearance. In the meantime, Zoltan 
Azel became my friend and business partner and we founded Purple Meeple Games together and coordinate the work of almost 50 people working on Cult of Storm. We have been working on this project for three years now, pouring in our talent, enthusiasm, work, time and money to create a great and unique product. We truly believe that Cult of Storm is more than an ordinary board game. The last chapter of our history is the least glorious, but probably the most educative. Last year's Kickstarter campaign, which wasn't successful, although we reached more than $200,000, we still had to cancel the campaign as we had made several mistakes. We had only one all-in pledge. We offered the expansions as stretch goals and we wanted to publish the game in seven languages right from the start, which was an unimaginable huge challenge for a new publisher. It also made our funding goal frighteningly high. We were in a hurry, we scrambled and we didn't have everything ready on time. We have to be frank, we messed it up. We had a great project but our Kickstarter Kickstarter campaign wasn't good enough for it. However, we have learnt a lot. We have fixed the mistakes, done our research on kickstarting, and here we are, confident that this time we will do better. Um, That's a good story. And the only reason I read that is because I go, you don't actually realise how much goes into making a board game. You go, oh yeah, let's make, let's come up with an idea, and you know a lot of the well-known. Uh, Board games. Board game designers. Yep, sure, they can make a game in six months and it goes out at Simon or wherever it is and it will be a big success. But there's also all these hundreds and hundreds of companies and people out there making board games that are still learning and sometimes you expect a, a lot from them. Mm. But they're still only giving it their best shot and you hope that they can produce something. And also with that... Um, game, Colder Storm, you know that there's a book that's going to have like 500 stories with it. <gasps> Rather than putting the stories on the cards, they've put the stories in a book that you can cool. buy as extra. And so then you, for the, when it says that number on a card, you go to the book and you can read a story oh. about it. So, so uh, once you've played the game, it's like, open up the book, read it. Yeah, or as you're playing the game, I guess, if you're mm. playing it, it will add length to the game, but Anyway, I think that's really cool. The book would be a good idea. It would. We've been going for nearly an hour. I know. It sounds like you're going crazy. What's going on? <laughs> We're not meant to go this long. No. Ah, we'll have to get back to try and getting them shorter. Yeah. Um... Yeah, just because we had that, uh, you had that really long um, piece of story. story as well. And also we... Hasbro. Hasbro was pretty long, and our other one. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder how many episodes we're going to end up doing, and before we go, oh, that's a season and we'll have a little break, I reckon we should aim for 50. And then if we 20 off, stop so at 50. So that's 20 weeks. So, yeah. Should be 20 weeks. I think that should be our goal. Yeah. Okay, we need to sign off. Do you want to so, emails... Email us at... Email us in at... Be... Board board Game Basic at... Podcast. Podcast at (laughs) Outlook.com. Yep. And And we'll put Twitter in the notes. And um, what else? Oh, thanks to Gameology. Yeah, hosting for this episode is provided by Gameology, Australia's largest gaming warehouse. And we also need to do our jokes. Oh, you can do that after. All right. So thank you so much to everyone for listening. 
That's bye from me. And bye from me. Now we need to quickly do our jokes. Do our jokes because we got to head off to the medieval fair. Four minutes and then it's been an hour. Ah, okay, go. All right, so you get him up first. Oh yeah. What happens if you eat yeast and shoe polish? What happens if you eat yeast and shoe polish? I got no idea. Every morning you'll rise and shine. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. What do you call an alligator in a vest? Um, well-dressed. An investigator.